You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to All About Skills. This is a weekly series of programs about the skills that you, your children, and your grandchildren urgently need to function effectively in our constitutional republic and to ensure its survival. These skills will also go far to help you get ahead in your career. Now, my name is Charlie Jett, and I'm coming to you directly from our studio high above the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in beautiful downtown Chicago. Now, in the first nine episodes of this series, we talked about where the critical skills came from, how they were derived, and why they are important. And then we devoted eight separate episodes on each of the critical skills, concluding with the episode last week where we talked about the need for continuous education. And today we're going to cover the critical skills from the perspective of someone very, very important, and that is the teacher, the individual who's responsible for teaching students the critical skills. So let's get started. My admiration for those who have chosen a teaching career is high. Many of my own teachers, K through 12 and through college, have been lifetime role models for me. Nearly all were very good and dedicated to their profession. But the challenges faced by teachers these days are enormous. The hours are long, the pay is low, the classes are large, the curriculum is demanding, teacher homework, grading papers and preparing for the next day, is grueling. Discipline is difficult. Technology is always challenging and changing, and funding is always scarce. But despite these challenges, dedicated teachers work every day to enhance the learning experience of their students. Their rewards are quite simple, in that they receive a great deal of personal satisfaction knowing that they are influencing the lives of young people and preparing them to face the future with confidence. For some students, their teachers are role models for them to emulate. I think back to some of the great teachers I had and the meaningful learning experiences they provided. Fresh in my mind is my high school physics teacher who was teaching us Newton's laws of motion. He not only taught us what they were, he explained how they could be applied. This motivated a friend of mine and me to do an experiment challenging the laws of motion to see if we could determine the height of a high bridge north of the town in which we lived. We went to that bridge one Saturday morning armed only with a good stopwatch and a couple of sheets of paper. We collected a couple dozen rocks of similar shape but not of the same size and positioned ourselves on the bridge high above the small creek below. We would hold a rock over the edge of the bridge and at the count of three would simultaneously drop the rock and start the stopwatch. When we would see the splash of the rock hitting the creek below a few seconds later, we would stop the watch and record the time it took from the release point of the rock until the rock hit the water. After doing this two dozen times, we calculated an average time and then 
using the gravitational constant for the area, calculated the height of the bridge, 125 feet from the bridge to the water. We presented our findings to the class the following Monday, and what I remember most was the look of satisfaction and pleasure on our teacher's face. Not only did we understand what he was talking about in terms of concept, we actually put the theory to work and provided results. We demonstrated that we knew not only the what, but the hows and the whys. I don't recall if we received any sort of grade for the effort, but I'll never forget the experiment, how we did it, how it worked, and our results. Now whenever I see that bridge, I can tell all my friends the actual height of it with confidence. That was a learning experience using the critical skills and, quite frankly, an application of what teachers can do in implementing the Common Core Standards. The learning was real and long-lasting. I can also remember clearly a learning experience from the fourth grade. It was near Lincoln's birthday, and our teacher was discussing with us the Battle of Gettysburg, its impact on the Civil War, and that President Lincoln had seen fit to go to Gettysburg to give a speech. Of course, we read the Gettysburg Address out loud, several times as I recall, and the teacher was explaining to us how President Lincoln had communicated so much in such a short address. I remember that she told us that we didn't need a lot of words to communicate what we wanted to say, and to this day I always think of her when pondering what to either talk about or write about. Keep it short and keep it meaningful. The following Sunday when I was attending church, my mother always forced me to attend the regular service and hear the sermon. The minister was speaking about President Lincoln. During his sermon, he told the congregation, and I quote, I'll bet there isn't anyone here who can tell me ten things about President Lincoln, unquote. I heard that, and sitting near the front row, simply raised my hand. That stopped the minister in his tracks and created a chuckle from the congregation. After a pause and a smile, he went on with his sermon, but I have long forgotten what he talked about. After the service, though, the minister told my mother that he was glad that at least one person was listening. The reason I remember these things so clearly is that both teachers had their students engaged in discussion during the class. The teachers would not simply tell us about these things. Rather, they asked the students questions and listened to what they had to say in response. Then the teachers would comment and either expand on what the students said or ask another student for his or her comments. To me, that was very effective teaching, and upon reflection, it's clear to me that each was teaching not only content, but the critical skills as well. Teaching those critical skills is difficult, and the process can be somewhat unfamiliar and even strange to some teachers. Such teaching not only includes the what about things, it includes the how and the why. Not only does teaching such skills require the instructor to know and understand the content, but he or she must be able to engage the class in discussion and build upon students' comments as well as keep the discussion on point. Unfortunately, many of our teachers are not equipped to practice this sort of teaching. Teaching the communication skills is much more than just having students read aloud or listening to a lecture. It requires getting the students to express their views, particularly in oral communications in class. Teachers must establish an environment where students are encouraged to speak and where 
and when they speak, they will not be laughed at or ridiculed. Teaching the writing skill is not only the realm of the English or language arts teacher, but of others as well. Students can always be asked to summarize what they have learned on one sheet of paper, using complete sentences, of course. One social studies teacher, whom I know, reserves the last five minutes of each class to enable the students to write down on one sheet of paper the three or four essential things that they learned during the class. She then collects the paper at the end of the class and gives them back the next day. Not only does this reinforce the learning of content, but it gives the students the practice of writing. Many teachers are highly creative and teach the production skill easily. All it takes is to have students grasp an idea to either make or create something and then let them do it with encouragement along the way. Teachers should always point out to the students that they can make their ideas real, that they can actually turn their ideas, within reason of course, into reality. In order to teach the information skill, teachers must have a good grasp of today's internet technology and the power of search engines like Google and Bing. Most likely they will find the students quite able to use the internet, so asking for and finding information is quite easy. The trick is to teach the students how to discriminate between information which is true, that which is questionable, and that which is completely false. They should be taught to at least question the validity of information they receive, whether they get it off the internet, from books, from magazines, newspapers, or from others. The goal is to teach them not to believe everything they read or hear, but to question its truth and validity before actually using the information to draw any sort of conclusion. Teaching the analytical skill, critical thinking, is an everyday job. Students should be taught to be familiar with the concept of P implies Q, and that they can develop findings from the information they know to be true and ultimately draw conclusions from their findings. Just doing a little bit of this each day teaches a lot of critical thinking over time. Such critical thinking becomes habit forming and a way of life that will serve them well. Interpersonal or teamwork skills are taught indirectly. Aside from extracurricular activities and team sports, the traditional academic classroom teacher can have students work in groups or on a project or work together toward presenting something in class. Encourage the students to contribute to the team, to listen attentively to the others in the group, and to share the responsibility of completing the project. As a follow-up activity, a teacher can have the students reflect on what they did as a team and how the others contributed positively to the outcome. Regarding the technology skill, it might be appropriate in some instances to have the students teaching the class. Students these days have an unimaginable skill in using the computer and various mobile devices, but the technology skill is focused on having students understand how to select the right kind of technology to solve a problem, not just to demonstrate facility in computer skills. In the U.S. Labor Department's publication Teaching the Scans Competencies, they suggested ways of teaching the technology skills as follows. In English and writing, Write an article showing the relationship between technology and the environment. Use word processing to write and edit papers after receiving teacher feedback. In mathematics, read manuals for several data processing programs and write a memo 
recommending the best program to handle a series of mathematical situations. In science, calibrate a scale to weigh accurate portions of chemicals for an experiment. Trace the development of this technology from the earliest uses to today. In social studies and geography, research and report on the development and functions of the seismograph and its role in earthquake prediction and detection. And in history, analyze the effect of wars on technological development. Use computer graphics to plot the relationship of the country's economic growth to periods of peace and war. To me, these are modest examples of incorporating some of the critical skills into the academic curriculum. There are, of course, countless others. The only limitation is the individual teacher's imaginative ability to create problems and ensure that they are connected to some meaningful skill goal, as well as enhancing the academic content learning experience. Now we come to project-based learning. Project-based learning, or PBL, is an intensive teaching method where students are engaged as members of a team to address a real-world problem, conducting investigations, collecting appropriate information, conducting proper analyses, developing findings, conclusions, and recommendations, and preparing their results in written and oral form. PBL is the most comprehensive, and I think effective, way to teach the critical skills. The kind of PBL exercise I, rec I recommend most is the field study which I've described earlier in these programs and to which we'll devote a complete, less, a complete program later on in this series. Each of the critical skills is addressed in a field study or most project-based learning projects. Communications, for example. Students must listen in order to capture the essence of the problem or issue to be addressed. They must write a confirmation letter articulating their approach to the problem and what they will deliver. They'll have to write a report detailing their findings, conclusions, and recommendations, and then present the, re the report orally. In the production skill, students must make the journey from their articulation of the problem all the way to the final report and presenting their results. Information. Students must gather information from internet sources, the library, or through interviews regarding the issues they have to address. They must prepare and use interview guides where interviews are appropriate. They must take notes and summarize each interview, and they must organize their data in order to conduct the team analysis. And for analysis, students must analyze their collected information and develop their findings, conclusions, and recommendations based on that information and ensure that that information on which they're basing their analysis is accurate and true. Interpersonal. Students must work collaboratively as a team in all phases of the project. Technology. Students must select and use the appropriate technology to conduct their analysis, write their report, and present the report orally. And time management. Students must prepare a work plan, the Gantt chart perhaps, to budget their time, set deadlines, assign responsibilities, and complete the project on time. Simple project-based learning exercises are relatively easy for a teacher to conduct. However, a field study takes considerably more time and effort, and the teacher should be well prepared and knowledgeable about how such studies are conducted before embarking on such a project. 
Field studies are by far the most comprehensive of all project-based learning exercises, and it is common to find such projects being conducted at the college graduate level, such as the Harvard Business School. However, experience has demonstrated clearly that high school students, properly guided, are absolutely capable of conducting such problems and projects. These are the kind of projects and skills that were featured in teaching the SCANS competencies. The seventh grade science class at Briggs Middle School in Eugene, Oregon, provides an excellent and highly creative example of learning and practicing the critical skills through a project involving their school's environment. During the winter months of December 2011, the seventh grade students were faced with classroom temperatures in excess of 90 degrees and persistent feelings of drowsiness. Since this was a science class, the students decided to find out why this was happening and try to make some suggestions to fix the problem. Guided by their science teacher, the students developed a hypothesis that the problem might be excess temperatures and high levels of carbon dioxide, leading to negative moods, poor work ethic, and feelings of drowsiness. So from March 5th through April 5th, 2012, the students, working in teams, collected and recorded temperature and CO2 levels twice daily in six different classrooms. They selected Vernier LabQuest technology to provide sensors and recording capabilities. The student findings revealed consistently higher temperatures measured in classrooms with the sensitive Vernier equipment than those displayed by the Nomad temperature thermometers. Additionally, the findings reveal, revealed higher than normal CO2 levels in classrooms. The students concluded that the high temperatures and CO2 levels were negatively affecting student learning and that steps should be taken to solve the problem. Accordingly, the students made these recommendations. Teachers should keep their doors and windows open to increase ventilation. The air return vents in each room should be routinely cleaned. All ducts and other vents should be inspected and cleaned. A follow-up study should be conducted annually to check air quality. And the study should be replicated at other district schools. And the school should develop a partnership with the University of Oregon School of Architecture for future environmental studies. The students presented their findings, conclusions, and recommendations in written form, as well as making an oral presentation to the school district superintendent, school staff, and parents. Now this was an outstanding example of teaching the critical skills. The project was written up in detail and presented to the Oregon State Department of Education as well as being available on the internet for other schools to access and replicate. Each of the critical skills was practiced in depth throughout the project-based learning exercise. Communications. Students had to report in writing and orally to a sophisticated audience. Production. The idea was to solve the problem of high temperatures in the classroom and student drowsiness during class. This problem was solved. Information. Students applied discipline and consistency in collecting relevant temperature and CO2 data on a routine basis. Analysis. Students ensured that their data was accurate and true before conducting their analysis and used graphs and spreadsheets to analyze and display their data so that the findings and conclusions were easy to see. Interpersonal. 
students had to work in teams, both as data collectors and as a whole class for data collection, analysis, and report writing. Time management. Students had only six weeks to conduct the entire project. And technology. Students selected sensitive temperature and CO2 measurement equipment to collect their data, spreadsheet software to conduct their analysis, and Google presentations to present their report. Teaching the critical skills is not new. In fact, the Harvard Business School has been doing this for years through the case study method, and many schools from kindergarten through college do so as well. This is the Socratic method of teaching, and it is quite different from the traditional lecture method. The foundation for critical thinking this describes this method as follows. Quote, the oldest and still the most powerful teaching tactic for fostering critical thinking is the Socratic teaching method. In Socratic teaching, we focus on giving students questions, not answers. We model an inquiring, probing mind by continually probing into the subject with questions. Fortunately, the ability we gain by focusing on the elements of reasoning in a disciplined and self-assessing way and the logical relationships that result from such disciplined thought prepare us for Socratic questioning. Thankfully, there is a predictable set of relationships that hold for all subject and disciplines. This is given in the general logic of reasoning, since every subject has been developed by those who have had the following. Shared goals and objectives, which define the subject focus. Shared questions and problems, whose solution they pursued. Shared information and data, which they used as an empirical basis. Shared modes of interpreting or judging that information. Shared specialized concept and ideas, which they used to help them organize their data. Shared key assumptions that gave them a basis from which they can collectively begin. And a shared point of view, which enabled them to pursue common goals from a common framework. Each of the elements represents a dimension into which one can delve in questioning a person. We can question goals and purposes. We can probe into the nature of the question, the problem, or issue that's on the floor. We can inquire into whether or not we have relevant data and information. We can consider alternative interpretations of the data and information. We can analyze key concepts and ideas. We can question assumptions being made. We can ask students to trace out the implications and consequences of what they are saying. We can consider alternative points of view. Now all of these and more are the proper focus of the Socratic questioner. As a tactic and approach, Socratic questioning is a highly disciplined process. The Socratic questioner acts as the logical equivalent of the inner critical voice which the mind develops when it develops critical thinking abilities. The contributions from the members of the class are like so many thoughts in the mind. All of the thoughts must be dealt with, and they must be dealt with carefully and fairly. By following up all answers with further questions, and by selecting questions which advance the discussion, the Socratic questioner forces the class to think in a disciplined, intellectually responsible manner which, while yet, continually aids the students by posing facilitating questions. A Socratic questioner should keep the discussion focused, keep the discussion intellectually responsible, 
stimulate the discussion with probing questions, periodically summarize what has and what has not been dealt with and or resolved, and draw as many students as possible into this discussion. Now these thoughts were all from the Foundation for Critical Thinking. Now, teachers from elementary school through college can do this, but it's hard to do. Is it asking too much for a teacher to engage students in dialogue, to encourage them to share their thoughts about a subject, to listen to them, and then to respond accordingly to what they say? I think not. In order to teach the critical skills, a teacher must practice the critical skills. Many teachers do this to the ultimate benefit of their students. And if you are a teacher, you can do this as well. Well, that does it for taking a look at the critical skills from the perspective of the teacher. Until the next program, give some thought to the critical skills once more. And they are communications, production, information, analysis, technology, interpersonal, time management, and continuous education. Again, my name is Charlie Jett. My author name is Charles Cranston Jett, which is what I go by on Amazon.com for the books. And in the next program, we'll discuss the critical skills from the perspective of the student, the one who has to learn them, as we continue our journey that is all about skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.